dependent on financial help and political guidance from the Soviet Union. Stalin personally assisted Mao's rise to power. The relationship between the two men was often tumultuous. But once the red flag flew over Beijing in 1949, Mao wasted no time in imposing a harsh communist regime modeled on the Soviet Union. Mao was a Stalinist, attracted to the collectivization of agriculture, an unlimited cult of the leader, the elimination of private property, all-pervasive control of the lives of ordinary people, and huge expenditure on national defense. Ironically, it was Stalin, fearing the emergence of a powerful neighbor that might threaten his dominance, who constrained the Stalinization of China. In 1929-1930, Stalin had launched a ruthless campaign of tekulikization, resulting in the execution of thousands of people classified as rich peasants, and the deportation of close to two million to labor camps in Siberia and Soviet Central Asia. But in 1950, Stalin advised Mao to leave the economy of the rich peasants intact, so as to speed up China's recovery after years of civil war. Mao ignored his advice, forcing rural populations to participate in the denunciation and sometimes murder, of traditional village leaders. All the assets of the victims were handed over to the crowd. The land was measured and distributed to the poor. By implicating a majority in the murder of a carefully designated minority, Mao managed permanently to link the people to the party. No reliable figure exists for the number of victims killed during land redistribution, but between 1947 and 1952, it is unlikely to have been less than 1.5 to 2 million people. Many other millions were stigmatized as exploiters and class enemies. Once land reform had been completed in 1952, Mao approached Stalin with a request for a large loan to help China's industrialization. Stalin, ever the contrarian, rebuffed his idea by judging that the growth rate that China sought to pursue was rash. He imposed deep cuts, vetoed several projects related to military defense, and reduced the number of industrial complexes to be built with Soviet assistance. Yet Stalin himself had presided over the collectivization of agriculture in the Soviet Union between 1929 and 1933, using the grain he extracted from collective farms in the countryside to feed a growing industrial workforce and pay for imports of machinery from the West. The experience led to mass starvation in the Ukraine and other parts of the Soviet Union. The death toll has been estimated at five to ten million people. Stalin was the only person capable of restraining Mao. After the death of his master in Moscow in March 1953, Mao cranked up the pace of collectivization. A monopoly on grain was introduced by the end of the year, forcing farmers to sell their crops at prices fixed by the state. In 1955-56, collectives resembling state farms in the Soviet Union were introduced. They took back the land from the farmers, transforming the villages into bonded servants at the beck and call of the state. In the cities, all commerce and industry also became functions of the state, as the government expropriated private enterprises, small shops and large industries alike. Mao termed this the socialist high tide.
But in 1956, Mao's program of crash collectivization encountered a huge setback. On 25 February, the final day of the 20th Congress of the Soviet Communist Party, Nikita Khrushchev denounced the brutal purges, mass deportations, and executions without trial under Stalin. Speaking for several hours without interruption in the great Kremlin Palace, the former Moscow residence of the Russian czars, Khrushchev criticized Stalin's cult of personality and accused his erstwhile master of ruining agriculture in the early 1930s. Stalin, he said, never went anywhere, never met with workers and collective farmers, and knew the country only from films that dressed up and prettified the situation in the countryside. Mao interpreted this as a personal attack on his own authority. He was, after all, China's Stalin.